sports is a privilege, right? It's something that uh, has entertained us for centuries, provided pathways for us to change lives, shape lives, motivate lives, motivate cities, motivate countries. I know what sports can do, but in a moment like this, where health, like life and death, are at stake, we need to slow down a little bit. From Uninterrupted, this is Dialed In. I'm Sky Dickinson from the Athlete Relations team at Uninterrupted, a place where we are always having insightful conversations with athletes from all over the world. On this show, you're also plugged in because every episode features a different athlete calling in to share their story about what's happening in sports and society. All right, let's get dialed in. Good morning, everyone. It's Dr. Myron Roll. 5.45 a.m. Tuesday morning. Walking into Mass General Hospital. Several buses here to help us in. Workers to fight the effort against COVID-19. On the line for this episode is Dr. Myron Roll, a former professional football player who now serves as a neurosurgery resident at Mass General, the teaching hospital for Harvard Medical School. NFL pro Myron Roll went from the football field to the front lines of this pandemic as a doctor. Dr. Roll studied medical anthropology at Oxford University before signing a four-year contract to play in the NFL. Last month, his aspirations as a neurosurgeon were put on hold so that he and his colleagues could do their part to fight the COVID-19 outbreak. This week, Dr. Roll connected with uninterrupted producer John Fontanelli to share his experience tackling this deadly virus. Take a listen. Hi, Dr. Roll. This is John from Uninterrupted. How are you? I'm good, John. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Stressed, for sure, and challenged up here in Boston, but trying to make it, trying to make it through um, with all this COVID-19 and uh, all the healthcare pandemic stuff we have going on here, uh, but do, doing the best I can, for sure. So you're a neurosurgeon by trade. At what point did you start treating COVID-19 patients? So that, that started about three weeks ago. Um, our hospital sent out a mass email telling us that we're going to have so many different um, procedures and policies that would change the day-to-day life of a normal mass general hospital uh, employee. And uh, when I started to notice that, and then they started to cut back and scale down on some of our operating rooms and ask us to volunteer in this thing called a surge clinic, which is like a hospital within a hospital at Mass General, where we take patients off the street with COVID-19, I, I realized that um, my my day-to-day um, dealings and proceedings as a neurosurgery resident at, at Harvard here would be vastly different. I grew up in New York. I have two friends. Shout out Allie and Jeanette, who are medical professionals in New York. They're really going through it right now. Every conversation I've had with them, they try to steer positive, but I can just hear in their voice everything that they're carrying with them, everything that they're taking home with them on a daily day basis. How would you describe the emotional state of you and your colleagues these past few weeks? Yeah, the emotional state has been serious, John. I mean, we uh, have to um, focus and lock in to our responsibility. And it's hard to do that when you see patients having these um, end of life discussions and goals of care conversations with their families. Um, When you see patients who are flipped prone, uh, not something you typically walk by an ICU and see, prone being just on their belly because they're trying to get more oxygen to their bodies. Even having colleagues having to sit out or stay home, self-quarantine because 
they've been exposed or they've been tested positive. I know they want to be in the fight. I know they want to be a part of this. And they're home uh, and watching from the sideline. That's hard for us. Uh, for me, you know, my recentering or my grounding point has always been my faith. Uh, so I pray a lot and my wife prays for me. We often talk all the time about you know, how God's going to continue to drive us through. Talking to her has been helpful. She's not here with me now. I've, I've sent her down to Georgia to be with her family. Um, so I'm not bringing any potential infection home to her. Uh, but we FaceTime all the time and she sends me these scriptures all the time. And we just try to stay linked as much as possible because she's a huge buttress for me. Uh, going forward in just in day-to-day -day challenges of being a neurosurgery resident, but now especially when there's so much pressure on with COVID-19. So that's helpful for sure. How is being a part of a hospital staff similar to being a member of a football team? Are they similar? They are very similar, honestly, because there's so many things that you do daily that you've practiced and developed your whole life as an athlete. Focus, discipline, um, taking coaching, taking hard, tough coaching. You get yelled at uh, by your uh, faculty members, by your bosses, but you have to be able to stay locked in and listen to the good. You know, forget the noise of, of the loud yell, but just kind of take the, the, the coaching and the good part from it and apply it to your skill and your craft. Um, being a teammate, being a team member. Um, you know, I'm in a residency of 21 people who are all vastly different. We look different, we come from different backgrounds, have different interests. And I think the best crossover trait for me has been um, mitigating pressure and being flexible. Uh, I remember going into football games at Florida State where we were planning on playing zone coverage all week because this team does not do well against zone. And then they come out first quarter and start hitting us with some different plays and different personnel, different sets and groupings that we weren't ready for. And we switched to man to man. Coach says, all right, we're going to man. We got to lock down these guys and you have to go back to your fundamentals and adapt, right? You have to adjust. And right now with COVID-19, although I love the central nervous system and operating on the brain and spine, peripheral nerve, especially in kids, uh, that's not the calling right now. That's not the premium. The premium is uh, patients who have COVID-19 or symptoms related to it and trying to do the best we can, be flexible and adjustable in moments like this. As coronavirus tears an unforgiving path across the country, numbers show it is especially devastating to one group, African-Americans. Despite accounting for 14% of Michigan's population, they represent 41% of its COVID victims. When you and look at the proportion of people who get into serious trouble and die, again, it's going to be disproportionate towards the African-Americans. I do expect that. How do you view the way that COVID-19 has affected minorities, people of color, people in low-income areas, even in the United States? The numbers are staggering and they're disheartening. The healthcare disparity and healthcare gap that already has existed prior to COVID-19 hitting this country so, so hard is now just being further illuminating and further highlighted by this issue. And it's a couple of reasons. I'll try to break them down. So one, if you're asking people to be social distance and physically distance apart, and they're in low socioeconomic places, they're black and brown and live in tight quarters, it's hard for them to be separate. It's hard for them to get away from each other, so to speak, and, and to have this distance. So that becomes a nidus for infection. And then if they have to go to work, they typically have to use public transportation, which again, you're in close proximity. Again, another opportunity as a nidus for infection. And then you think about just the health of black and brown people the lack of access, the lack of affordability. 
to even go or have a primary care physician to know if you have some of these emerging non-communicable diseases like hypertension, diabetes, obesity. These are things that hit the demographic of black and brown people much hard, much harder and at much higher rates than it does anywhere else. It runs in the family. We know that. We call it the sugars, right? In black, black communities. You know, we, we say, oh man, I just got the sugars, or I got diabetes. And it's something that, you know, sometimes goes unaddressed and unmanaged. So this healthcare gap is real. It's existed. These numbers are absurd. And hopefully, now that we're seeing it, now that we're seeing it play out in real time, the the move, the next move is how do we fix it? What do we do now that we see it's here? and hitting in a very difficult time. There's often these um, these major events that just really devastate the people on the lowest um, station of a very structurally violent system. You've seen it with hurricanes and national natural disasters in Katrina. Uh, the people who were getting hit the worst were the ones who didn't have anywhere to go. Uh, the people who are getting hit worse with this healthcare pandemic scare are the ones who don't have money and don't have a lot of access to healthcare in the first place. I've heard you express doubt that there will be an NFL season in 2020. Um, as a medical professional with a lifetime spent around athletics, uh, how do you see this virus affecting professional and amateur sports for the next 12 to 18 months? The sports world needs to be patient uh, and there's going to be delays or maybe cancellations of some of our big events that we enjoy watching. We have the convenience of watching. I mean, sports is a privilege, right? It's something that uh, has entertained us for centuries provided pathways for us to um, change lives, shape lives, motivate lives, motivate cities, motivate countries. You think about some of the greatest moments of countries happened in the sporting world. I know what sports can do, but in a moment like this, where health, like life and death are at stake, man, we need to slow down a little bit, pump the brakes, as, as my friends would say, and realize that once these epidemiologists and scientists and brilliant intellectual giants at the front lines have done their job, and once we, as citizens of this country and members of this team community of the United States, once we do our job in our lifestyle behavior modifications and those two things meet, I think then we can consider it. We will get there, but it's just going to take some more time. What are some of the most remarkable moments that you've had as a neurosurgeon? What are some of your proudest moments as a professional? I think some of the proudest moments I've had are hearing from patients, families uh, who are so happy that uh, we're doing good work for their family members. And for me, as a future pediatric neurosurgeon, um, getting an email from a family member who says, you know, Dr. Roll, I saw you in the ED and you comforted me and my son. You took him immediately to surgery and you were able to help fix his skull fracture. I was so nervous. I didn't know what to do. He's doing so much better and we just thank you. And that to me is like, that's it. That's what we're doing it for. And especially for kids who didn't ask for any of these things. I mean, they were just playing. They fell, hit their head on a rock, oh, man. Or they just had a headache one day. We got a scan and they have obstruction of the fluid filled spaces of their brain. And now my attending and I have to go in and operate and, uh, you know, relieve that pressure. Um, it's just, it, it's, it's remarkable and it's so fulfilling. I found another passion after football that matches um, how great I felt about playing a game and making a big tackle or, you know, getting a huge interception for my team. It's, it's, it's amazing. 
thank you again so much for your time and and stay safe and really look forward to talking again soon. Absolutely. Thanks, man. Appreciate you. Thanks for listening to Dialed In. For more episodes, subscribe to the uninterrupted We Run This Station feed wherever you get your podcasts. Hit us up on social media at Uninterrupted and tell us which athletes you would like to hear dialed in. Talk soon. Thank you.